Welcome to the Colts Reunion Podcast, a conversation with former Colts players. A look back at their career, what they're up to now, and how the Colts played a positive role in their lives. Hello, welcome to another Colts Reunion Podcast. I'm Matt Taylor with former Colts wide receiver and Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks. And joining us today for a reunion is former Colts safety Antoine Buffet. Buffet drafted by the Colts in the sixth round of the 2006 draft and right away came in as a starter, helped the Colts win the Super Bowl as rookie season, named three Pro Bowls, also played for the 49ers, Cardinals, and Giants before retiring in 2019. And Antoine is with us on the phone today. Antoine, thanks so much for the time today. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's let's start with you first of all today. What's what's going on with you today? What's life like for you now, uh, being retired from the NFL for only about three years or so? Man, life is good. You know, um, based in Charlotte, North Carolina, here with my wife and my my three kids, man, and the three kids. You know, definitely keeping us busy um, with school and their um, their activities. Um, have a podcast now with a, another former coach Darius Butler the man-to-man podcast mm-hmm. um you know got some businesses um in my hometown and I'm diving deep into my uh, my foundation the Bethay family foundation man so keeping busy well you are staying busy quite busy you know uh Antoine you went to Howard University and, and going into Howard University did you ever think that you would make it to the National Football League playing in in the pros for the Indianapolis Colts um, I, I didn't, you know, going to um, Howard University, I think, you know, my goal at that time was just to be able to continue to play um, after high school and um, get a free education. You know, I think that was my, my biggest goal at that time. But, you know, once I got to Howard and um, started playing and um, I saw my play progress, man, I, I thought it could be become a reality. Well, now that you made it to the pros and in, in your rookie year, what was the biggest challenge for you going from Howard to the Colts in the National Football League? I would say um, the biggest challenge was really um, off the field. You know, really? that was really like, yeah, I, I would say off the field for me because, and not to downplay um, the level of play there, but um, like I kind of try to tell the young guys, I'm like, man, football is football. You got to run, you got to tackle, you got to catch the ball. Um, those are things that you know that kind of come natural to guys that get to that get to that level. Um, obviously, you know it's the terminology and learning the playbook. But for me, I would say off the field, where now this is kind of the first time in my life where I'm I'm having to pay my own bills, um, <laughs> going to get the groceries, going to get the cook, manage my time wisely. Yep. Um, and then from there is you know you have you know, the, the the folks that's looking from the outside, they thinking that you're an instant millionaire. So being able to have to um fend off the, yeah. the 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 folks that's coming asking for a lot of money. So that, that takes that, that takes a lot out of you when you're not used to that. Um so I would say that was one of the biggest biggest things for me was just handling the stuff off the field. And you're only a twenty two, twenty three year old guy at the time. I mean you're still you're still a kid having to deal with all of that responsibility, right? Exactly, exactly. And again, not to not to not to downplay anything as far as on the field, but mm-hmm. on the field, that's kind of the that's your that's your getaway. You know, when you're able just to go out there and just run around and do what you've been doing since you was a little kid. 
Antoine, you were, again, drafted in the sixth round in 2006, and the Colts won a Super Bowl your rookie season, and uh, you started 14 games that season. Again, as a sixth-round pick, that's very, very rare. How were you able to come in immediately, break in right away on a really good team, and carve out a, a very prominent role? Man, I think it was just the, um, you know, the confidence I had in my ability, but then also the confidence that um, my DB coach Alan Williams, Coach Dungey, um, Bill Poland, what they what they had in me as well, um, and that that was you know really that was the biggest thing, and just going in there and just willing to listen to the older guys, willing to listen to the coaches, take the coaching, um, and just have a mindset of you know I just want to be able to go out here and just impact and do whatever I can to help this team win, and um, and really for me, six round draft pick. I'm like, look, special teams is going to be where I make my make my hay. But, you know, being able to go out there doing OTAs and, and make plays, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, I was fortunate enough to be able to um, win that starting spot. Did you have a – I mean, I'm fast-forwarding a ton here. At the end of your career, you play 14 seasons, three Pro Bowls, you won a Super Bowl, you accomplished so much. Again, you came in right away and you started – but throughout your career, did you have a, a chip on your shoulder because you were a sixth-round pick and you played at such a high level? I'm just curious if if falling that late in the draft motivated you and inspired you throughout your career to play at a high level. Yeah, no no doubt. Um, even though I was blessed and I was gracious that, you know, my, I heard my name called in the mm-hmm. sixth round, um, I still felt as though it was because I went to Howard University, you know, and I felt as though if I played the way I played at any other university or Power Five, I think, you know, it would have been different. But, again, you know, situation or situational, and I'm glad my situation was what it was. You know, it could have turned out very different for me. Um, and and that, that, that tip of my shoulder, yes, it, it lasted the duration of my, of my career for different reasons. You know, it, it – that chip on our shoulder changed, you know, um, the first the first year it was because, you know, Howard University, uh, HBCU drafted sixth round. Um, year nine, it was okay. I didn't get re-signed by the Colts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the, the San Francisco 49ers to show them I still got something left in the tank. So for different times in my career, it changed. But I always had that chip on my shoulder. Never wanted to be satisfied with what I did in the past and looking at the present and the future. You know, you said coming in as a six-round pick that you listen to the veterans and you listen to the coaches. Was there any one or a group of veterans that you listened to that kind of took you under their wings to help you navigate your way once you got into the National Football League? Yeah, I would say three guys that really kind of that that, that stood out for me. Like one was uh, Robert Mathis. Okay. Um, you know, some similar coming from an HBCU drafted in the fifth round. Um, then you go with Cato June. Cato June. Um, a six-round draft pick out of Michigan and was playing at a high level. And then Gary Brackett. Gary Brackett, an undrafted uh, free agent, but played a, a pivotal pivotal role mm-hmm. on our team and our defense. So those three guys were the guys that kind of that kind of stand out the most to me. Well, that's great. Do you keep in contact with those guys right now? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, talk to the guys uh, often. You know, I'm good to see, you know, Cato back on the staff. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, Rob, you know, he's doing a lot. Um, you know, with his company and you know developing young 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 men out there, and, and obviously, um, Gary doing great things in the community as always. So still talk to those guys and a lot of guys that was, um, that was on our team during that time. 
Yeah, and like you said, Cato June's on the staff on the defensive side of the ball. Reggie Wayne is the wide receivers coach now, obviously on the offensive side of the ball. And Antoine, I mean, again, you played at such a high level, accomplished so much. You you speak the game well. You discuss the game well on your podcast. Did you have ever have any uh, notion of, of getting into coaching yourself after your uh, playing career? Nah, I, I haven't. Um, <laughs> I haven't, man. I just, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest with myself. You know, just with, you know, like you said, playing 14 years away from the family for such a long time and putting so much into the game. Yeah. Um, I will be doing a disservice to 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 my to my wife and kids at this time. I mm-hmm. would say, um, not not to say that you know down the road, um, some may change, but right now, I, I just know how much you have to really put in. Um, to being a coach and being a great coach, um, the time that you have to put in being at the building. Um, so I just think that would be a disservice to my to the to the family. But I uh, but the knowledge I have, though, I do want to give that um, to the players. So you know, maybe that could come in a different role, um, maybe here in the near future. But I, I definitely do want to give back to the game. You know, you said you have a lot of knowledge for the game. What you do, you have a lot of knowledge of the game, and you played the game at a high level. In order to play the game at a high level, you also have to look at the things that you do well and the things that you don't do well. What are some of the things that you wanted to work on during the offseason to help you improve your game getting ready to go into a season uh, in the National Football League? I would say for me, it was always, and like you say, yeah, you have to be your hardest, your hardest critic. You know, um, you, you obviously want to go and say, okay, I, I do this well, but to your point, um, you got to go into every season and with, at least three things that you could work on. Um, I know one for me always was I can get better on tackling. And uh, just the way the game was maturing, um, it was a lot more open field tackling for the safeties, right? Like, so how can I work on my angles? How can I work on, you know, coming to um, coming to balance when I'm tackling? And then obviously the rules were changing as well. So um, head placement and things of that nature. Uh, one thing, that I always, I still kick myself to this day, is just, you know, turning the ball over, like, you know, punching, stripping, um, catching the ball, you know, uh, when the ball gets to you, being able to capitalize on those moments. And then obviously, you know, just on the the X's, X's and O's side, um, not really having to worry about the defense, just knowing the defense on, like, the back of your hand, but just studying the game, what offenses like to do in certain situations. So that was really the biggest thing. Um, two-minute situations, red zone, um, you know, after a tone or what what the offenses like to do. So mm-hmm. just really um, buckling down on the X's and O's and understanding the game. Yeah, you know, you're talking about uh, doing different things on the football field as far as making sure you're the X's and O's and, and, and tackling as well. Which player gave you the hardest time as far as in, in regards to you having to tackle them in the open field? Is it a running back? Was it a wide receiver? Or was it any one particular individual that gave you a tough time? Man, it was um, – I always talk about how to like I – w- I would say running backs because, you know, obviously every week you're going you to deal with a, with a tough running back. But, you know, sometimes you know like, okay, this running back is really a speed guy. So, you know, he's going to try to outrun you or you're going to have a big back who's going to try to, you know, run you over. But i say for me, um, playing in the post, you know, coming down and trying to tackle a back in the open field, mm-hmm. the tough the tough guys were the guys that were elusive, um, that were elusive, that could, that could shake you, that could run by you, but also was big enough to run, like, really get behind his pads. And early in my career, Fred Taylor was kind of one of those guys um, where he could put his foot in the ground and he could – 
run by you or to my point he could you know play behind his pad so I would say Freddie T was one one of those guys um and obviously you know receivers you know you dealing with a Calvin Johnson a big guy like that who can run who can go up get the ball um those type guys were 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 really dangerous yeah, I mean, that, that Fred Taylor, that, that analogy that you use right there, I mean, I just remember that Jacksonville game, what, your rookie season, Antoine, uh, down yeah. there. And then, I mean, you guys, I'm sure, just use that as motivation uh, throughout the rest of the regular season. And then you guys were just epic in terms of stopping the run in the playoffs en route to the Super Bowl championship. Yeah, man, I, that game was ugly. Uh, <laughs> uh, that game was ugly. Uh, for, uh, Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew, man, they um, – they almost uh, made it to the Pro Bowl off us that game. <laughs> um, it, it definitely, we definitely used that as motivation. I think that entire year, man, our run defense was it, it wasn't good at all. Yeah. But um, but again, like you said, we got to the playoffs, man. We was able to get one of our you know key key contributors back by um, back during that time, and we was able to make a good run um, during that playoffs. You know, we talked with Marlon Jackson uh, earlier this off season for uh, for one of these similar podcasts, and. We asked him, and I'm just curious because you guys came in kind of the same time. He in 2005, yourself in 2006, in that defensive secondary. When you first got to the Colts, they were rolling, right? I mean, winning AFC South yeah. division championships every year, um, going to the playoffs. I mean, your entire career with the Colts, outside of one year, 2011, you made the playoffs every year except for one uh, during your time in Indianapolis. So when you first dropped into the Colts locker room and you're in the same room with guys like Marvin Harrison, Marlon Jackson, Reggie Wayne, Peyton Manning, Dwight Freeney, Gary Brackett, when you're looking around at all of the, the great players as a rookie, how, how did that make you feel? What was that like being in the locker room and on the same team with, with so many great players at the time? Man, you know, you got to think about it like <clears throat> just a few – a few months before, man, I'm at Howard University, mm-hmm. and these are guys that I'm, I'm looking on. I'm looking at on TV, so it's a lot of emotions. It's it's one. It's like, man, I'm here. I made it, and then it's like, you know, kind of starstruck, and then it's like, I, I got to get out of that. They're my teammates now, so it's a lot of emotions. But then, you know, one thing you always heard, whether it was, um, you know, you watching, watching, um, watching the games, and these guys are playing, or you hear something about. Um, Coach Dungy, or you hear something about Bill Polian, it's like it's the culture, right? And as soon as you step foot in that building, you understand like it's a culture. It's a reason why they're winning. It's a reason why, um, you know, you got a bunch of future Hall of Famers uh, on that team. And 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 the snap of the finger, it's okay. I gotta I gotta buy into this culture. You know, if I want to be a part of this, I gotta buy in. I gotta be a part of this. So, um, you know, stepping into that locker room, man, it's a it's a of various different emotions, man. But again, man, I, I was blessed to be in a, a great situation, walk into a great situation. Now you talk about you walked into a great situation with the Indianapolis Colts and you won a Super Bowl your first year. Is there any other special moment about your time here in Indianapolis that stands out for you? Man, I will, um, hey, I think it was, it, it was a few, it was a few, you know, winning the Super Bowl, um, Get my first Pro Bowl nod my second year. Um, winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year there in um in India as well, uh, for the community work. Um and, you know, all of those things, man. I think I think those are some of the, the, the times that you 
you think is going to last forever. But then now, you know, like, you know, being retired, you kind of look up, look back on those times and say, man, we had a great time. And then just the relationships with the guys. Yes. Just still keeping in, keeping in communication with the guys, you know, Melvin Bullitt, Gerard Powell, the guys that come in and, you know, we still have that bond and that brotherhood. So those are like the, the, the things that, and, and Bill, you know, like those are the things that you really, really miss about the game you know obviously you miss the competition but you really don't miss getting beat up on weekend and week out but you know being able to sit in that locker room and joke and laugh with guys fly on that plane and go to different guys' hometowns and participate in their camps like that's what yeah you know i miss a lot and just you know having that brotherhood and having that camaraderie antoine what was uh what was practice like in that era you know we we always heard peyton and marvin talk about practice how intense it was and how um, on some levels, practice was a lot harder than the games. Did did you share that same sentiment in terms of practice really kind of ramping up and the games sort of coming easy to you in a way because you were so prepared and you were so organized heading into Sundays? Oh, no doubt. You know, um, detail-oriented. You know, that's what all the coaches preach. That's what, you know, all the players preach. Like, you know, we, we, we have to know what we're doing, but we also got to know what the other team is doing. Um, you know, we always think about, you know, when I'm with the other teams, you know, we would redo plays and Coach Dungey, you know, every now and then you will redo a play, but it's like, you know, it's no redos during the game, you know, so we got to be perfect. We got to be, we got to be on point. And again, when you name the guys that was on the opposite side of the ball, when we going in training camp and going against the offense, you know, you got Peyton Manning at quarterback. You got Marvin Harrison. You got Reggie Wayne at the wideouts. You got Dallas Clark at the tight end position. And you look during that time, all those guys were top five guys, top three guys at their position. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yes. for me, as a safety was or, or just a defender in general, how how much harder can it get? You know, no disrespect to anybody else, but how how harder can it get? And then just knowing how much work they put into it to want to be perfect and really them already knowing what we're going to do. So, you know, if, if Peyton already knows, like we, we run a ton of cover too, like, and he knows where the holes are going to be, it's just going to make us work that much harder to try to get to the ball. So like when Sundays came, um, not to say it was easy, but it was during the week helped us out a lot. I would say that. Well, that, that that's good. I mean, it, it sounds good that, you know, it seemed like those guys, the older guys, helped up the younger guys um, with the team, and you guys had a lot to go by, and you had a lot of accountability uh, within that locker room. And and to piggyback on that, if you can give one some advice to some of the young guys coming out right now, what would that advice be to these young guys as far as trying to make a team, trying to fit into a, a new team, a locker room, and how to uh, navigate their careers throughout the NFL for their whole career? I would say it's um. It's a couple of things that I would say. Um, first and foremost, you got to control what you can control, um, and that's your work ethic. That's how hard you're going in practice. That's you. That's you studying. That's you knowing the X's and O's. Um, that's you keeping your nose clean, staying out of trouble. Control what you can control. Um, so that at the end of the day, when it's cut day, if you've done everything that you could do, um, then you can walk out of there. Whether it's you know you being on the team or not, you can go out there with your head hanging high but if you go if you get cut because you didn't know what to do um you was missing missing curfew that's on you um another thing is like you said accountability 
you got to hold yourself accountable, accountable, but you got to hold the the guys around you accountable as well. That's the way you um, you're able to play a, a long time. Um, and one thing about uh, about the play is it's, it's being being consistent. Being consistent, I think that's why um, one of the things I tell people about my career is I, I, I feel as though I, I was consistent throughout my career. Um, I think all the players, all my teammates, and all my coaches knew what they were going to get um, on Sundays, Mondays, or Thursdays, or whatever it was. Right. Coach Allen Williams, he used to say it all the time. If you're an A player, I need A play all the time. If, you need, if you're a B player, I need, a B, I need B play all the time. And if you're average, be average. I don't need a guy that's going to be A, B, C, I just don't know who I'm gonna get. So if you can, um, if you can be consistent, you can be, hold yourself accountable. Um, if you control what you can control, man, you have a good shot or have a, a a great career in the league. Yeah, staying with that though, I mean, you played 14 years, but you only missed 15 games in the regular season of your entire career, Antoine. And you hear guys say all the time, you know, that they're most proud of their availability and answering the bell every single Sunday. What was your secret to playing all of those years and staying healthy more often than not for all 16 games during a season? Yeah, like you said, your your best ability is your availability. Um, and you know, first I had to say it was it was some luck, <laughs> it was some luck uh, um, mixed into that. But then, you know, like you said, like you know, being able to control what you can control and taking care of your body, right? So that's you know, getting the, the proper amount of rest. That's you know, hitting the weights. Um, that's, you know, during the off season, um, really getting it in. Um, cause I felt as though that was the time that you really were, was able to get your body, um, in shape, you know, when you, when you didn't have practice where, where you could just kind of focus on just getting your body right. Um, you know, during the season, you know, still in the weight room, eating right, getting rested, uh, outside the building, getting your massages or whatever you needed to do, um, to, to say, to stay ready. And that was um that was the thing, just trying to be consistent, and then obviously just having to play through some things. Um, mm-hmm. We all know, you know, once we hit that training camp, nobody's a hundred percent healthy, and um, you know, again, just having that accountability. I know my guys are counting on me to be out there, so if I had to play through something, I had to play through it. But if I could um, control what I could control as far as put putting the proper things in my body and taking care of that, that's what I was going to do. Antoine, I want to go back a little bit, if we can. Talk about that that changeover in leadership in, in 2012 with the Colts. Uh, you know, Ryan Grigson, uh, Chuck Pagano come in. There was a lot of yeah. changeover in the roster that year. Andrew Lux drafted, T.Y. Hilton, um, yourself, Reggie Wayne, Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney, Adam Vinatieri. You guys were like the, the holdovers from one regime to the next, and you did such a fantastic job. I remember that was my first year you know, working with the Colts. So being in the locker room with you guys, there's no doubt, you know, the entire roster looked to you guys, uh, you know, for leadership. Do you remember that, that 2012 season and the challenges that you faced going from, from one era to the next, so to speak? Yeah. You know, um, like you said, new gym, new head coach, coach, uh, you know, Ryan Grigson, coach Pagano. Um, but to your point, man, it was about the locker room, you know, and we still had that foundation of what those guys built before I even got there. Um, so when you look at an organization and you look at their, um, I would say their success or their failures, you can look at the, just the foundation from the, from the top to the bottom, you know, cause we're all skilled. We all have great players, but it's just about that foundation that Monday, the Monday through Sunday, you know, how the guys 
uh, relate with one, one with one another off the field. Um, so we still had that. So all the the younger guys had to come come in and do is follow suit, and again put their best foot forward. You know, um, and I think we were, I think it was done the right way. You know, you had your leaders, you had your young guys who would come in and, and help, and the young guys all they had to do was, you know, look at what the older guys were doing. So it, it messed it messed well, um, and it, it turned out it turned out well there for 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 high second. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, you know, 2011 obviously was a outlier season, not only for the franchise but your career. Two and fourteen, you know, that was the Peyton Manning uh, neck season and all the the drama that that surrounded that. But in in 2012, 11 and five, you guys make the playoffs. 2013. 11 and 5 you win the division and going into that 2012 season you know I remember it very vividly you had the power rankings that people put out in the off season the Colts were dead last and you guys make the playoffs in fact again in 2012 and 2013 11 and 5 seasons make the postseason how much pride did you take in that personally going from one era to the next being able to still play at a high level and still succeed not only as a, as a player but as a team in, in those first two seasons um, in a new era, in, you know, new head coach and a new defensive coordinator? Man, that was important to us. Um, like you say, you know, power rankings had us dead last. And uh, as much as players say, hey, we don't read the news clippings and we don't listen to the – that's a lie. You know, we we see those things, <laughs> you know. So um, so being able to come, come in and – and uh, make the playoffs uh, both of those years. To your to your point, you know, having a rookie quarterback, having a young roster, um, again, that that speaks volume on um, the locker room. It speaks volume on the guys. It just speaks volume of, of, about the culture. So, um, as a player, as an organization, as a city, um, I know we, we we was we were elated about that. Antoine, I'm curious. You know, you just retired not too long ago, and I want to know, when you watch football games now, do you watch the games as a fan and just enjoy the game as it is, as it presents itself, or do you watch it as a formal player? Are you breaking down things, looking at the receivers, where they line up at, and what they're going to do, or how how are they going to run their routes, or what the offense is trying to do? Do you look at it as a fan, or do you look at it as a formal player like you're in a meeting room? It's both. It's both. You know, I catch my time just wanting to enjoy the game. Um, but then it sounds where, like, you know, crucial moments, it's like, okay, they lined up this way. Oh, I, I think they're about to do this or um, or they're motioning this guy. You know, just trying to call plays out. And, you know, looking at the defense, the defense as well, um, trying to see what they're doing, how they're trying to stop um, stop guys. But it, it's definitely both on both ends, as a fan and as a, as a former player trying to break yeah. down film. All right, Antoine, last one for me. Uh, as you said earlier, you're in the media now, uh, so to speak, with uh, the Man to Man podcast. It's a great podcast. Former Colts defensive back Darius Butler. And I love it because it's it's just two guys, but it's educated guys, two former players, two former defensive backs. You're talking about the game of football from different angles. Talk up the pod. How did you get into it? And, and how much are you enjoying doing it? Now I appreciate that. Yeah, the Man to Man Pod, man, we're live on Mondays and Thursdays at 11 a.m. Um, like you said, myself and Darius Butler. Uh, <clears throat> we obviously during the season we speak on all football. Um, even the off season, we be speaking on on all things football, um, games, matchups, the overs, the unders, 
um, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, as far as you know, right now, you know, it's it's big NBA playoffs. So we're talking about all sports, and then we, you know, we talk about um, life in general. Um, you know, two um, African American men in this world, things that you know we go through. Um, we're fathers as well. Um, so we just talk about all things, um, life, you know, to the point of the title of the podcast, man, to man. Right. Um, and and we started it during, during COVID, you know, during COVID, we had ample time on our hands, um, (laughs) sitting in the house, you know, um, and, you know, we just started talking and said, Hey man, we should, you know, we should, we should cook up a a podcast and and see where it takes us, man. So it's been, um, I would say, I think two years, Mm -hmm. yeah, two years. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, man. So we're just going to see where it takes us, man, and and um, just keep enjoying the ride. Yeah, it's it's very successful, and I listen to it, you know, very religiously. Like you said, it drops every Monday and Thursday, the Man to Man podcast, Antoine Bethay, Darius Butler. Where can people find it? Just search Man to Man pod, and then on most podcast platforms, it should show up, correct? Exactly, exactly. Um, wherever you listen to your podcast at, Spotify, um, yep. you know, Apple, we're on YouTube as well. So um, type in the Man to Man Pod, man, and it should pop up. There you go. That's Antoine Bethay, man. It's it's so great to hear your voice. It's awesome to uh, have you back on as a guest and uh, relive some of those magical moments in a Colts uniform number 41 back in the day. Antoine, thanks so much for the time. Uh, continued success both professionally, personally, and uh, have a great summer coming up. I, mean, I appreciate it, man. You guys, y'all stay safe.